Welcome to the No Film School podcast. I'm Liz Nord, Editor-in-Chief of No Film School, and this week I'm speaking with Oscar-nominated director Nanette Burstein. Burstein is well-known for films like On the Ropes, American Teen, and The Kids' Days in the Picture. Part of her success likely comes from her insatiable curiosity and persistence in getting to the bottom of a story. But these same qualities can put her own life, and the lives of her subjects, at risk. In fact, the premiere screening of her latest film, Gringo, The Dangerous Life of John McAfee, required the presence of police and bodyguards at the theater because of threats against her by the film's antagonist. The film is a thoroughly bizarre and heart-pounding true crime tale of John McAfee. Yes, the McAfee of McAfee antivirus software and libertarian presidential hopeful. Originally believing that she was simply investigating an unsolved murder charge against McAfee from his time living in Belize, Burstein began to uncover a very dark tale that involved everything from gang activity to sexual assault. Part of this discovery, of course, came from finding subjects brave enough to speak about their ordeals on camera. We spoke during the Toronto International Film Festival the day after that screening about being responsible for your subject's safety, how to approach the challenges that each new film presents, and sustaining your career with commercial directing. You told a crazy story. I mentioned earlier that I texted your publicist last night after I saw the film, just holy shit. Um, and and you're probably really used to it at this point. I mean, you knew what it was, but um, how did your feelings kind of change actually putting it in front of an audience? It's a little terrifying, actually. Um, when I got into this film, I didn't fully understand what I was getting into. And I, somewhere along the way, realized it and thought, oh my God, if I had had a crystal ball, I might go back in time. But you're already in it, so you go forth. Um, so yeah, screening for an audience now it's out there for for the public, and I I think it's a really strong film. I I'm very proud of it, um, but it, you know, I I do worry about some consequences of what it is. So that's a little scary. I was going to ask you about that. Um, I mean, backing up, as you mentioned, there must have been some point or some points where you thought, oh oh, I'm really stepping into something here. And I think with any film, you have to have so much tenacity to get through it. So how did you stick with it? Well, I just have that quality, I guess. Um, And, you know, you get any film that you take on starts to become an obsession. Um, And so once you have decided that this is what you're going to pursue, you go after it, as you said, with the tenacity and always trying to make the jump, you know, the best judgment calls. This one was somewhat new territory for me as far as um, a truly uh, purely investigative type of film. It was still a character study, which I've done a lot of, and it was still in the same genre of, of investigating people that come from, uh, fame, money, power, and how that affects their lives. So in that way, it was similar. But I was entering into a world where the main character, the main subject, was not um, uh, willing to sit down for a normal interview. You know, the interviews ended up happening cyber interviews, basically, which was fitting for him. And then I realized that I had to put myself into the film, which is also something I've never, ever done um, so, uh, it was, it was very unusual experience and, um, 
my uh, the subject matter of the film, John McAfee um, had, and to this day emails me, um, and uh, that is just another layer um, that gets a little funky because you know at any moment it might be uh, difficult to understand, and you know, and, and other moments it might be threatening, and other moments might be sweet. It's a, it's a hodgepodge, and and now I know that it's not going to be uh, friendly from here on out, but. Uh, that's sort of the challenge I ended up taking up. So yeah, there were police at the screening. There were police at the screening, and there was a security guard, both in TIFF and from Showtime. Um, I was uh, somewhat threatened before I went, um, and you know, just they everyone wanted to take precautions. So it's not just you; it's your subjects that might now be sort of out there and potentially at risk. So what do you think is our responsibility as filmmakers to our documentary subjects when our material might put them in precarious way? Yeah, no, it's a huge subject with this. Um, One subject had decidedly chosen to leave the country before this came out, actually two subjects. The country of Belize. Yes. One country, one subject, had already prepared for their life to go off the grid for a while. Um, you know, there were major calculations people took in choosing to come forth, and and they were not without uh, a great deal of thought from both of our ends. Um, and I never pushed anyone to do something that they didn't want to do. So how did you get them to trust you and trust that you would be careful with the material when you knew that, and they knew that, you might be putting them at risk. You know, each situation was different. Um, One of the subjects who I said is out of the country, he had been wanting to tell his story for a while. He actually had reached out to Jeff Wise, this journalist who was really the instigator of this project, um, who had written about John McAfee for a long time. And he said, listen, I've been trying to get my story out there and I want to talk about it but I want to do it in a way where I know I'm going to be safe and I have to plan for it. And so he had already made that decision and we had discussed it beforehand. Another subject I had spoken to from October until July, she ended up going on camera again, her own decision. She had taken months to prepare for it. Um, even so, you know, I'm trying to contact her today and make sure everything's okay now that it's going to be out there. Um, so every situation has been different and yes, you do feel a great amount of responsibility. So speaking about actual technique, you, I think, I guess in part because your main set, your protagonist in a way or antagonist wasn't available to be on camera, you wove together interviews with other people. I think like drone B-roll, news footage, all kinds of stuff. How did you piece those things together, make it so seamless? Well, it's a process in editing, and I've done a lot of films. Um, you know, at, at a certain point in investigating this film, I realized that, you know, protagonist, antagonist, John McAfee, had a real heart of darkness story um, and was just an amazing parallel to this. Um, so I really embraced that um, visually and... Uh, used this river that he lived on as the key metaphor of the film. Um, But that was not something I had come up with from the get-go. It was along the way of really learning about his story that I realized this. Um, 
you know, a lot of it in the end comes together. You know, there, there is also just a, an enormous amount of archival footage. I mean, this is a guy that has been in front of the press for, you know, 40 years or 35 years, um, has done an extensive number of interviews. Uh, Jeff Wise, who'd been covering him for a long time, had audio interviews of him um, at key moments when he was in Belize. So there was a lot to work with and be able to tell his side of the story, both through emails and archival and interviews that, you know, with a normal person would not be available. Right. I guess it, that's a blessing and a curse in a way. <laughs> well, yes. Now that it is out there and all this stuff is unearthed about a person who's sort of mysterious and sort of out there at the same time, um, what do you hope the effect will be? Do you think you'll make any difference in sort of how he's perceived or does that matter to you? It does matter to me, actually. It matters a lot. I think that, you know, it's it's not a personal vendetta in any way whatsoever. I think that there are in, in, in people in particularly America who have money, power, and fame who get a different deal in life, for better or worse. Um, I think, you know, um, not that Trump is John McAfee, but that's, you know, a perfect example of someone who gets to recreate their image and use the media in a, a similar type of way and yet hasn't committed any violent acts. Um, so I do think there's this tradition in the States that, you know, we need to be wary of whether something, you know, comes of this with John personally. I don't know. You know, one thing I realized is the law enforcement in Belize, um, is different than law enforcement in America, and it's it's hard to uh, prosecute in the same way than if the crime had happened in the states um, or crimes. But I think it's exemplary of a bigger issue that we're all facing. I mean, it feels especially poignant right now when uh, with the Black Lives Matter movement and how people are being subjected to even death for petty crimes, it, it seems, or no crimes. Right. No, I think there's a bigger issue at stake um, in the world, particularly North America, that this film parallels in some ways. Um, and hopefully that will make a difference. So speaking of your career more at large, you've made seven feature docs? How many feature docs? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I have made five. Okay. Yeah. Um, and produced other things for and, television, yeah, etc. Produced other things for TV. Um, so, is there a common thread to your approach, or do you have to sort of start from square one each time? No, I do think there is a common thread to some extent of just understanding how to tell a story, um, trying to be fair, uh, and yet each film requires um, you know different skill set. They all have their own challenges. Um, I don't know that it gets easier, I think, um, because of that. But um, your experience always helps you a bit more each time, having done it before. I think a lot of our readers, I get the sense, are working on their like second or third mm -hmm. films. And that leap from first to second can feel so big because the first time you're like so enthusiastic and you don't really know what you're getting into. So you're not intimidated. Yeah. So do you have advice for folks who are going on to 
two or three. I mean, I think you just need to approach it with the same tenacity you did the first and not assume that it will, you know, be swimmingly easy the second time around. I think you need to have that same vigor and passion every time you go out of the gate. I mean, because of that, I don't make a film every year. I think I would lose my mind. It's, you know, I also direct commercials and do other work. Um and try to have somewhat of a life in between because <laughs> it really is so taxing to take on this kind of challenge. Yeah, that that sort of begs the question about sustainability of a career. And Tom Powers, who introduced your film last night and programs the docs here, also mentioned that you had been doing some commercials and stepped away from docs for a little while. Um, so what about advice there in terms of just making a living. Yeah, I mean, it is a constant challenge, you know, in the independent world, in the documentary world, and as you get older and your um, financial demands in life change, and that's also a huge consideration. Um, it can take a while to figure out. I mean, the wonderful thing is if you are a filmmaker who's gotten some attention, there is the ability to translate that into other, you know, more commercial formats and still be creative um, but that is its own challenge and you have to spend the time and the energy to succeed in that world too. And like then by doing what, for example, well, like my career career and commercials, you know, hat was something that I had to really dedicate myself full time to for a few, three, four years to really build it into something that I could, um, be given great projects and enjoy a certain amount of stability as much as one can have stability in this business. Um, and it was just a choice that I made that I felt was important at that time in my life to do. Yeah. I think, I think we all wrestle with that stuff and I, I admire you because not only is it hard to break into the industry, the commercial industry anyway, but for the numbers for women are so small. They really are. I mean, it's been a really interesting time in the last year. Um, there's been, you know, a whole movement of female empowerment and some of my commercial work has been directed at that. And because I do more real people work, that's the kind of work that also celebrates female empowerment. Like I've worked on the Like a Girl campaign. I did a campaign for Microsoft about girls in science that won some big award at, at the con advertising industry. And I think there's there's a celebration and an awareness that is really emerged that's in many ways, you know, made it easier to be a female, not easier, but there, there is um, very, there's a short list of people to go to that can do this kind of work. And, and it's exciting, you know, to, to do this work that's important to you um, and, you know, and, and actually make a living at it. Absolutely. You know, half the, the uh, buying retail public are women. So, you know, there should be women making ads for women for that demographic. It doesn't work the other way. I never get hired to do a beer commercial or a car commercial, but yet men get hired to, you know, do commercials for women's apparel or fashion or makeup or yeah, all that stuff. (laughs) So it's starting to change. Thankfully, I think, you know, and in Hollywood too. I mean, that's not really my focus at the moment, but that also is changing because, you know, not just with women, but with minorities in general. Any other thoughts uh, for filmmakers specifically about approaching docs, about tackling subjects that might become daunting or threatening in your case or anything well, else? Well, I mean, I think you just have to do what you're passionate about and, um, you know, approach it in 
and you you have to just be completely um, obsessive and willing to, you know, throw yourself into it and really commit to it in every way possible. And it, I don't know that it does get that much easier each time. But, you know, if people feel excited by what they're doing and passionate about the subject matter, then, you know, you, you got a bigger shot of getting it out there and, and getting the work celebrated. Yeah. That's a bit of a cliche, I know, but <laughs> I'm not sure what else to <laughs> say about it. People need to hear those things. It's, it's important. It's true, though. It really is true. Yeah, I believe it. Thank you, Nanette, for speaking with me, and thank you all for listening. Burstein's film Gringo, The Dangerous Life of John McAfee premiered on Showtime on September 25th and is now available on Showtime On Demand. Please subscribe to the No Film School podcast and rate us on iTunes, where you'll hear more great interviews like this one every other Monday and our Indie Film Weekly News show every Thursday morning. We also invite you to visit nofilmschool.com to learn more about the craft of filmmaking. Thanks, y'all.